0: Before we begin our show, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, MyFootballNow.com. If you feel like your team is managed by idiots and you think that you can do better, head over to MyFootballNow.com. It's the number one online rated professional football management simulator. You become the owner and the general manager of a pro football team of your choosing. You can hire coaches, you can draft players, you can sign free agents, and you can also manage the salary cap and additionally put together your own game plan. You'll play against other players from around the world. And best of all, it's totally free to play. Build your dynasty now at MyFootballNow.com. Hey there, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Fake Things Can Dynasty Podcast. I am your host, Richard, and joined with me, as always, is my partner in crime, Ron. Ron, how are you? I'm doing excellent, doing excellent.
1: Ready to talk some football and uh, talk a little Brady, I guess, is on the docket tonight.
0: That's right. And, Ron, how about you tell the view? how about you tell the listeners out there, yeah, the viewers, how about you tell the listeners out there who we have joining us tonight?
1: I let you, actually, Jordan Heck. Is his name, and this guy's a scout. I'm pretty, uh, am pretty shocked that we can get a scout on here, man. We must be, uh, we must be moving up in the world, right? I don't have his credentials, though. That's right. I did,
0: I did that on purpose. I tried to, I tried to put you on the spot there, but it didn't work. Uh, so no, we have Jordan Heck on tonight. He's a fantasy football scout for Four for Four Football. He's also been featured on Bleach Report and Sporting News as well. Jordan, how are you, man? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm uh, hanging in there. Uh, So we have quite a bit to talk about tonight. Uh, Obviously, um, for the the recording of this podcast just hours ago, uh, the whole deflate gate and the uh, suspensions and the penalties have come down from the NFL, which include a four-game suspension for the Golden Boy, Tom Brady, and also a $1 million fine for the New England Patriots. And also, they lose a couple draft picks, a 2016 first and a 2017 fourth. Uh, so we'll just start with that right away. Um, obviously, Brady's gonna miss the four games, you know, absent of an appeal. So that means that Jimmy Garoppolo, the, uh, the second year quarterback out of Eastern Illinois, will take over the reins in the meantime. Um, I'm just going to get you guys' take. Uh, I will, I will preface this by saying that Jordan does normally cover redraft. I know this is a dynasty podcast, so we're going to get a, takes on both ends. Ron, well, I'm going to start with you, man. Um, what do you think in terms of, I mean, I, for dynasty, it's kind of tough to gauge only because this is going to be such a short window. Uh, but, um, what do you, th- what are your thoughts on Jimmy Garoppolo heading into the season as the starter?
1: Well, I mean, because I'm in Chicago, you know, I have, uh, I've been rooting for this guy to get an opportunity for quite some time, and I'll be quite honest with you, I'm not really a Brady fan, never was, never will be. Um, I won't hate on him too much, um, but I will say that I think this kid is, uh hey, didn't he break like every record um, at Northern, not Northern Illinois, help me out here.
0: Eastern Illinois. Eastern
1: Illinois, sorry, I got my Eastern and my Northern kind of mixed up. I believe he broke of Tony Romo's records and previous to that, um, Sean Payton's records there. So, um, definitely, you know, I, I think he's gonna definitely have a chance to shine and we're gonna see if he's the real McCoy or if he's just another guy, you know, who's gonna take snaps, you know, the, until Brady gets back on the field. So, I will say this, I was hoping it would be like more like six games, but again. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, still in the back of my head, I'm like, you know, four games for this, you know, I, I'm sure that Tom Brady's going to pull some strings somehow. Golden boy is going to get his way and get it reduced to two games. Maybe I'm off my rocker, but you know, maybe you can tell me if I'm right or wrong.
0: Well, you did fall and use your life alert prior to the podcast. So off your rocker is probably, uh, probably a th- good thing to say. But, uh, so Jordan, I know that you, you cover redraft and obviously this, this suspension and, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo taking over the reins is kind of more of a redraft uh, circumstance, only for the short time window it is. Uh, But Jimmy Garoppolo in the first four games, I mean, uh, obviously his his, uh, ADP will increase as a result of this. How do you see him doing in the first four games in Brady's absence?
2: It should be interesting to see how he does. I mean, he was a second-round draft pick, so obviously the Patriots believe in him. And, uh, you know, he's got some good targets to throw to, Gronkowski, Edelman, LaFell, all those guys. You know, so it should be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, I'm most curious to see what happens to Brady's ADP, you know, because I mean, he's going to miss four games. Is he going to slide too far? Because he's still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. You know, it should be interesting to see if he, you know, just how far he ends up falling in, in the draft.
0: Oh, that that's the one thing that I was thinking of, too, is uh, Brady's ADP. And I think if you're playing redraft, which I do play redraft still, I'm comfortable getting Brady because I think he's going to slip. Um, depends on how far he slips. Um, I mean, if you can get him th- two or three rounds later, definitely jump on him because he is going to produce when he comes back, that's for sure. Uh, but so I believe – Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, unless, you know, absent of an appeal, which they have said that he is going to appeal, um, barring it doesn't get reduced, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo will face the Pittsburgh Steelers, um, the Buffalo Bills, Jacksonville Jaguars, and I think they're gonna travel to Jerry World, take on the Dallas Cowboys. Um, real quick, we'll just do a, we'll just kind of do, I guess, a projection for Jimmy Garoppolo for the first four weeks. Um, going up against the Steelers, um, I think that he could have a good game. Uh, you look at a secondary that's really young, you know, with Troy Polamalu retiring and, um, not that the guys that were there before are really that great anyway. Uh, they did draft a corner. Um, I can't think of his name right off the top of my head, but I know he's a shorter guy. Um, so Ron, how do you think Jimmy G does in his first game? Well, not his first game because uh, he did play against Buffalo in week 17, but, um, how do you think he does in this game?
1: Honestly, I think they're going to ease this guy in to the, you know, to the reins for those first few weeks, especially week one. Um, that's not an... I wouldn't say it's an easy matchup, and, you know, I think Steelers, didn't they add Bud Dupree? Uh, you know, so, not that he's going to set the world on fire or anything. They have lost some some pieces of that defense, just that you brought up. Palomala, um, Jason Wuerls, the other guy, retired. Who knows what he's doing now. Um, he was a Pass rusher, so I don't know how they re- they're going to replace those pieces to that puzzle. But as far as I'm concerned, I think what they're going to do early on is they're going to re- lean on the running game, and I think we'll see a lot of, a lot of smash smash mouth football. I mean, in the short passing game, I think will be you know key. Edelman, I think he's going to get his numbers regardless, but I think he's going to be the top target in the offense. And LaFell definitely gonna have to hit LaFell up. I, I was just reading something about Garoppolo, uh, Bill Bella cheat or a check, excuse me, said that uh oh, man. <laughs> Garoppolo <laughs> looks like a linebacker this off season. So uh just reading that, uh he definitely has added some muscle in the off season. So I don't know mm-hmm. if that's a good thing or a bad thing. He's gonna be slower. Um he'll be harder to bring down the pockets, presumably, but um you know he did do good last preseason so you know that I would take that with a grain of salt though because again you know this is a totally different ball game you know
0: yeah I will say um you know with Jimmy Garoppolo coming out of college I did compare him mostly to Tony Romo I mean he has a lot of the same um same qualities as him what what the big thing biggest thing with Garoppolo is that he's quick with everything that he does quick release quick um quick feet everything like that um and he did. He was actually a linebacker in high school, so he is a tough guy, if you will. Uh, Jordan, do you kind of agree with what Ron said as far as what they're going to do, how he's going to do in the first game, or do you expect him to just come out, and start slinging it away?
2: Yeah, I kind of agree with Ron that you know they'll they'll ease him into the in, yep. into the workload. You know, run the ball more often. You know, the Steelers definitely can be passed against. You know, they don't have a stellar defense like they used to, but. You know, I definitely think that they'll try to ease him into the rotation and get the running game going.
0: Okay, yeah, no, I, I think that that's probably a fair a fair assumption. So who do you guys think is probably the biggest benefactor of this Brady suspension if you look at him being suspended for the first four games and Garoppolo being the starting quarterback? Is it LeGarrette Blunt? Ron?
1: No, oh, the smart money's on Blunt to carry the load. I mean, the, the guy has shown that when he gets high volume, he can put up some big time numbers. And he's a volume back. That's exactly what he was. It is. And Smash Mouth Football, that's it's what, that's the name of his game. Named it, to, claimed to his fame. And, and he's done it and he's showed that he can do it. I would want to see, you know, maybe a secondary option step up in that offense. And I'm not really sure who that guy is going to be as far as taking, you know, the third down roll. Um, you know, is it James White, you know? Is it Jonas Gray? <laughs> I mean, that's the thing with Belichick. We don't know. <laughs> We're playing the ultimate guessing game right now, and it's so early that, you know, it's so early to call the shots on this. And even even when the time approaches, it's still going to be hard to call the shots.
0: Yeah, Jordan, do you do you kind of agree that it's going to be like Garrett Blunt who's the biggest benefactor of the suspension?
2: Yeah, Blunt's definitely going to, you know, benefit from it. But I think Edelman will also has, you know, a good – benefit from it, too, just because Garoppolo will probably ease in with some shorter passes, and that's where Elman succeeds, is catching balls at the slot. So, I mean, he already has great numbers, obviously, but I think he'll just continue to produce and maybe get some more catches for PPR formats.
0: Yeah, no, I I can agree with that. I mean, I guess I'm probably a little biased because I'm such a Jimmy Garoppolo fan, um, but I, I think that he's actually going to do pretty decent these first four games. Uh, I don't expect him to, you know, light up the scoreboard by any means, but I definitely think that Pittsburgh is a very beatable secondary. Buffalo, I think he's going to struggle with tremendously. Um, Jacksonville, I mean, come on. And then Dallas, uh, <laughs> Dallas can be picked apart. Uh, so I think that he's going to have a, a good first, you know, few weeks. And then if you can get Brady a few rounds later, I think that that's just going to help you tremendously um, because he is going to come back. He's probably going to be slightly pissed off. I'm just going to guess on that one, though. Because um, when he comes back, you guys know who he plays when he comes back, correct? Colts. The Indianapolis Colts. And I don't know if the the NFL had anything to do with the NBC on that one. You get, you get the game without Brady, and then you get his return. So I don't know if that had anything to do with the suspension or not. Uh but kind of off of a fantasy uh topic here, I just kinda wanna get you guys' takes on Deflategate. I'm sure you've probably vocalized them to some degree on Twitter, but I guess just to condense them into this one podcast, I'm gonna start with you, Ron. Uh what is your take on the whole thing? Your thoughts on the penalties? I mean you've used words like Belichick, so I'm assuming that you think that Tom Brady should be crucified essentially, but I'm interested to hear what you have to say anyway.
1: Well, I just think it's it's the whole thing just it's a travesty to the NFL and it's a big black eye for um the New England pa- Patriots in general. And the fact that so many people were in on this and knew what was going on is, is just—it's disgraceful to, to the National Football League. And I think the penalties that we, they handed out today are—you know—okay, they're—they're going to shut a lot of people up. But at the same time, there's going to be a lot of people on the other side of the fence that are going to. Agree with me as far as I think it should have been at least six games. You know, again, that's my personal opinion. Take it for face value, but you know, the fact that Brady adamantly denied any wrongdoing from the start. Um, you know, they say denial is the first sign. Um, so I mean, for him to do that, I, I just would have had more respect for him in general if he just came out and said, "Hey, I screwed up. This is what I did." It just manned up for it, and, and at that point, you know, I would have I would have respected him a lot more and that's basically all I had to say about it.
0: But the thing with that is, though, Ron, don't you think that he would have been suspended for the Super Bowl if he did come out and say that?
1: Right, but, I mean, at the same time, you know, he did something wrong, and he's going to sit there and cover it up, hide it. And, yeah, I know it's all about getting to the Super Bowl and winning a ring, but at at some point, you know, you have to have some type of morals, and, you know, obviously, you know, the, the game meant more to him. And it's easy for me to say, you know, not in his situation, in his shoes, but at the same time, it's just I think the right thing would have been just to admit to it and take his penalty. And you know, I would have been fine with that because I wouldn't have had to watch New England make a run.
0: So, do you think that the only revision to the the penalties brought down by the league was should it should have just been the six games and everything else, or what do you think it should have been?
1: Um, I think it should have been the six games and at least a couple picks. I don't know about four picks. It, it's that seems maybe a little excessive. Well, it was, it was actually two picks. It was, it was two uh, picks.
0: It was a first round pick for next year and a fourth round pick for 2017.
1: I mean, I think that that's a reasonable penalty as far as the picks go. Um, okay, or maybe a second in a, in a fourth or, or something like that. But you know, if, what's a first round pick for the Patriots? It's, it's what the twenty 29th ninth pick in the draft? I mean,
0: it's, it's, almost,
1: it's almost a second round pick, I guess, if you, if you want to look at it that way.
0: Uh, Jordan, what do you what do you think of the penalties imposed? Do you would you have what did you would you have kept it kind of the same? Would you have imposed more or less? What do you think? I
2: would have probably imposed less. I actually thought it was a bit excessive, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I agree with uh, Brady should have been suspended. You know, I thought two games was gonna it but you know you have four games you might get two on the appeal who knows but uh, I thought the million dollar fine and the loss of draft picks was a bit excessive you know because the Wells Report didn't find uh, Kraft or Belichick to know any knowledge of it so how can you penalize them you know penalize Kraft with the fine and penalize Belichick with the loss of draft picks when you couldn't find any evidence that they were involved with it And then with Brady, you know, they said it's more probable than not he knew information about it. You know, is that enough to warrant a four-game suspension?
0: Yeah, I mean, those are some of the the you know some of the conflicting arguments. Arguments. Um, But Um, but would you think it's fair to say that? um, Would you think it's fair to say though that uh, the reason that they were uh, given the fine, well, well, because obviously if you look back at Spygate. Uh, the organization themselves was fined seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, and Bill Belichick was fined two hundred fifty thousand dollars. So that adds up to a million bucks. And you look at Bounty Gate, and the coaches were suspended. Even I got I I'm pretty sure that they had, or it was found that they didn't have like Sean Payton didn't have any knowledge anyway. Uh, so do you, I mean, do you think that that's fair to say why they got the fine? Is it kind of the same? kind of the same deal with Bounty Gate, or do you, th- I mean, I know you just said that they shouldn't have um, been fined at all, but, um, I mean, can you at least see it from that point as to why they did it? Because, you know, the whole Bounty Gate thing.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't think they they shouldn't have been fined at all. I just think a million dollars was excessive. I think Schefter said earlier is was the most a team has ever been fined. Yeah. Uh, and maybe it was because of their history with Spygate, you know, it's just kind of. You know, two big scandals and in such a close period of time, yeah, you know, they wanted to make a statement.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, I think that the fine, it kind of falls in tow with Spygate, and I I actually wrote an article on Deflate Gate, and I and I said a four game suspension. Um, I didn't have the fine in there, but I did have the picks, and I think that the I think that the suspension is. Is right on right on point. Uh, I mean, not the, not the suspension, but the penalties are right on point with what I thought. Um, I, I, you know, people talk about, and we were talking about this before we came on the air, Jordan, um, about how people are comparing this to domestic violence. And I just want to quickly say, because this is going to be a really touchy subject, and I don't care at this point. Um, <laughs> for d- the domestic, d- for the record uh domestic violence and integrity of the game were two totally separate avenues in the nfl is punching your life worse than deflating a football yes so the suspensions like fall in line with each other should one be less no i mean if brady was given eight games and people said that i just think it's i think it's ridiculous um because now this is the part where it gets controversial Deflating a football or altering the game in any way is worse for football than punching your wife. Again, hitting your wife is terrible. You shouldn't do it. I don't recommend punching your wife. However, if you alter the rule, uh, if, you, if you break a rule in the NFL, such as deflating a football, using stick-em, whatever, uh, it, it, it's worse for a football standpoint um, I just want to get you guys' thoughts on that. I mean, do you, Ron, do you, do you think like that where Brady shouldn't be suspended as many games as domestic violence? Uh, do you think that they are parallel to each other in any way or do you think they're just totally separate like I think?
1: I think they're totally separate. I really do. Um, you know, it's hard to, to, you know, separate the two and, and I mean, compare the two is what I mean. In, in my opinion, it's just they're two totally different subjects. Um, you know one's cheating and one is you know something outside of the game that you're doing you know off the field that is totally inappropriate you know so yeah it's a very touchy subject um, to talk about when we were talking about you know that that subject in general so um, I'll just leave it at that I just I definitely don't approve of either one Um, you know and, and I can't sit here and say one's worse than the other but i i do think you know cheating is cheating you know and that's the bottom line and, and i just think the cover-up is just i mean we've seen this before and it's just they're covering stuff up you know i think it's pretty obvious you know just because you know not everyone's been implicated here and they don't have all this proof you know i guess for me i'm just the signs have all been there that they've cheated in the past so that's kind of the way i look at it and you know once a cheater always a cheater is the way i'm I'm going to look at it, you know, and maybe maybe my views are a little slanted, but <laughs> that's my take on it, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, in my opinion, when when a report says more probable than not, to me, that's basically NFL speak for saying you did it without actually. Cause, I mean, th- this can never be proved. I mean, there's no audio or tape that's going to. That's gonna show Brady saying like, hey, uh, if you wanna sign Jersey to fight the balls, you know, that's never gonna come out because it doesn't exist. <laughs> um, but, it, it just doesn't exist, unfortunately. That would be, that would be, that would be something though if that did somehow get released. Um, but no, you know, the, the whole thing with Ray Rice, and I'm, I'm a Baltimore Ravens fan personally, and as soon as the Ray Rice stuff came out, I said to cut him. Uh, but, Ray Rice shouldn't have to worry about game suspensions. This guy should be in jail, okay? That's the thing, that's the difference between the domestic violence and the cheating in the NFL. The cheating in the NFL, you should be suspended and fined and all that pretty heavily, asterisk, tainted legacy, whatever the hell you want to do. But in terms of domestic violence, not only should you receive your game penalties, you should be behind bars, in my opinion. And I think that that's, you know, it's not... It's not Ray Rice's fault that his his fiance dropped charges on him because of whatever reason. I mean, the dude should be in jail. Um, you don't you don't hit your fiance, wife, or whatever. You don't do that. But so, Jordan, I don't want to put you on the spot. But I mean, I just want to get your thoughts on that as far as do you think that these the two suspensions, the domestic violence or uh, abuse to a child or whatever, and this circumstance, do they parallel each other in either way?
2: I don't think so. I agree with you guys that they should be treated separately. You know, people like to compare suspensions across all over the board. You know, they like to compare Josh Gordon's weed suspensions to Tom Brady's deflategate. And you just can't do it. You know, it, it, it's hard to compare these suspensions for separate incidents. You know, like with the weed suspension, Gordon's out a whole year. But that's because he's a repeat offender. You know, he's he's done it over and over again. Right. After they tell him not to. And, you know, there's a difference there. You know, so they should definitely be treated separately. And, you know, like you said, he should be in jail. You know, he should have real-life consequences rather than just football consequences.
0: Exactly. And I think, actually, with Josh Gordon, I think what gave him the, the this most recent suspension, I think it was for drinking, actually. I mean, this guy, like, literally wasn't allowed to do anything. Um yeah. So, yeah, I mean, in all, you know, you can't... You just can't. I know it's a really touchy subject, and um, I know we're getting away from dynasty here, but I mean this is a. And I know Ron, Ron's over there smirking. Eh, I don't care. I, I wanted to talk about this because this is like my day. I was so excited for this stuff to come down. Um, but no, you can't. You can't parallel the two. And I know it's a touchy subject, but
1: it's like comparing guess, apples and oranges here, guys. Sure.
0: Yeah. You, yeah it's. They're just totally separate things, and no matter what Roger Goodell does, hate the guy like the guy. He's never going to get it right, no matter what he does. You know, it's just part of his job. And you know, I think there are other things that came into play here outside of you know pure rule breaking. I think if he didn't come down hard enough, he does have thirty-one other owners that have to vote him into his position. Um, And you know, people you know can drop the you know the whole thing with NBC about you know them getting. The first game without Brady and then his return. And then also, you know, absent from an appeal, they get Greg Hardy when he returns to Carolina. So does the, does the NFL base their suspensions off of TV ratings? That's a whole nother conspiracy. We, we don't know. It definitely seems that way to some degree. Um, but I mean, reading the Wells report, the, the one thing that really stuck out to me was, um, uh, John Jastrzymski actually said to Brady, uh, You know, there's no way that you could, there's no way that they would have known, there's no way that you could have done it alone. I'm paraphrasing there. Um, but I definitely think he did. And I definitely, I think that what people need to understand more is that he didn't really get suspended for deflating the ball. It was more for his, he didn't cooperate with the investigation. That's right there in the rules with the integrity of the NFL that you have to cooperate with investigations.
1: Um,
0: and yeah, they were talking about, Oh, you'll see all my personal stuff, naked pictures of my wife, whatever the hell he's got on there. I don't, you know, I, but I don't think they really were concerned with all that. Um, you know, there were, there were, I mean, well, the naked pictures, who knows? But, you well, know, try-
1: I'll say one thing. That to me would just be an alarming red flag that you have something to hide. I mean, wouldn't yeah. that, wouldn't you take that from, from that whole scenario? I mean, that's, to me, that's what that means. You, you got something to hide.
0: Yeah, so the last thing we'll talk about the flaggate, Uh So he is going to appeal. Ron, what do you think happens with the appeal?
1: I still stand by my original quote, which is I think he'll get a knocked down to two games. Unfortunately, down to two games. Yeah,
0: I think I don't think it's going to get reduced at all, and because I think that the the uh, appeal officer will probably just I think they're going to ask to see the text again. Um, and I think he's going to refuse. And then what do you really have to appeal at that point? I mean, there's really nothing to go off of. So I don't really know. It almost seems like the appeal process is almost just like a, like a okay, here's a six-game penalty. You appeal it, boom, it just goes down automatically. It's like, what's the point? Why not just suspend them for what the appeal is going to turn out to be anyway? Uh But, Jordan, do you think that the appeal is going to make a difference at all? I mean, it
2: might. I wouldn't be surprised if, he does get it reduced, but I'm kinda of with you, I don't think it will get reduced in the end,
0: yeah, um, uh, so there that's our take on the gate. you know, um I think we can all agree well, except for Jordan. i I think that the penalty's fine, Ron thinks there should be more, and Jordan thinks there should be less, so this is a good show already. There's a lot of parody <laughs> going <laughs> there's a lot of parody going on already, uh, but we'll talk about some 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 uh some real fantasy stuff here um. I guess one big story that it really hasn't been resolved yet. Uh, you know, we've talked about rookies and I'm sure you guys out there have heard a lot about rookies, but we'll, I want to talk about the Dallas Cowboys and their backfield situation. Ron, are they going to stick with Darren McFadden as their primary back?
1: Well, my take on it would be, he's definitely the number one option for them right now, as far as talent level. Um, but that's the thing. We all know what Darren McFadden is. He's a one cut runner. He can't stay on the field. And, that you know, that's the bottom line. I mean, I think this guy's going to be hurt before camp's even over. And I think once that happens, they've already t- talked about doing a committee, and I think that's what the way they're leaning right now is, is is a committee backfield. I mean, with that offensive line, I think they could put any one of those guys in there, and they could still be an a immediate low-end RB2 if they're getting the volume so it's just a matter of what they decide to do and if they stick by their guns with the committee um out of all those guys you know long term you know 16 game season it's a long haul i say joseph Randall stands to benefit the most and he has the most talent based off of the fact that i think he can stay on the field whereas jerry mcfadden has proven many times in the past that he cannot stay on the field and you know And and I'll be the first one to say, you know, I was a big, I loved Darren McFadden coming out of the SEC with Arkansas. I drafted him numerous years, you know, coming, you know, when he got drafted with the Raiders. And and every year I would get burned. And we're all sitting back waiting for Darren McFadden to have that one year where he just explodes and plays a full season and a full complement of uh, carries. You know, and he definitely, you know, he has that versatility. He could pe- catch passes in the backfield. So, you know, he is a dual threat. Um, but I still would not rule out the possibility of Jerry Jones going out, making a trade and getting a legitimate RB1 to anchor, you know, behind that offensive line. And that's, that's, I think that's still in play. So, you know, I'm not really buying that, uh, um, They, I've heard some Dallas beat writers projecting Joseph Randall for 1200 yards, you know, so I mean, I think that's a lofty number. I think more in line would be somewhere around 750 yards, maybe 800, but I think that they will definitely give uh, the opportunity will go to Darren McFadden out of the gate.
0: Yeah. I I think when you look at it as of who's on the roster right now, I think that McFadden is going to be more of the, of the, of the, uh, I guess, uh, the, I don't want to say bell cow, because that's going to imply that he's going to get the majority of the work. But I, I think, I think Joseph Randall, as it stands right now, is, a, is a good, is a sleeper PPR option. Probably not much to sleep, much of a sleeper anymore, but, um, I definitely think that he's going to be, as it stands right now, in for a good year as far as PPR goes. Um, Jordan, do you think that they stick with McFadden, or are they going to, are they going to sign somebody, or trade for somebody?
2: I mean, you always have the Adrian Peterson rumor out there that, you know, the Cowboys are interested in him, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think the Vikings end up keeping, uh, Peterson. And, uh, you know, Jerry Jones has said that, you know, he feels comfortable with the guys he has now. So, you know, I think they're just going to keep who they have. And I think, uh, McFadden's definitely going to get the first, uh, look at it. But, you know, like he, like you guys were saying, I think it's going to be a committee. I mean, you had McFadden there, you had Randall, obviously. You still have Lance Dunbar. You know, he's shown promise in the past. You know, uh, good catcher out of the backfield. Uh, Ryan Williams is there. You I know, mean, he's a second round pick not too long ago. He still has potential. So, you know, it's a, it's a tricky situation because they have such a great offensive line. So, you know, whoever is back there is going to have success, but it's a matter of, you know, you have so many talented people back there that it's going to be hard to pick. You know, on any given week, I feel like any one of those guys could have a big game, it's gonna be hard to predict which one.
1: yeah, go ahead, Ron. real quick. do you think this backfield could turn into the New England Patriots backfield in the, in the aspect? uh that they don't have that offensive line, but it's kind of one of those things where you don't know from week to week who's going to get to carry. So it kind of makes all of those running backs irrelevant in fantasy, with the exception of possibly, you know, PPR leagues, the guys like Lance Dunbar, if Randall's, you know, I kind of, that's my take on it. I think that I see that kind of happening if they stick with this committee approach. And it's just a real big bummer, you know, for fantasy owners out there because, you know, flip a coin because from week to week we don't know who's going to be the guy that week, you know, they go to.
2: Yeah, I I can definitely see that happening also. You know, it's good for uh, daily leagues because you can, you know, you can get lucky with who might have a good week that week. But, you know, for redrafting and for dynasty purposes, it'll be, you know, be a headache because, you know, you want to roster the guys because of their potential every week. But at the same time, you know, it's hard to start them when you know that, they could end up getting a goose egg.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, obviously today was highlighted by Deflate game. I'm about to drop a nuke bomb on this podcast right here. What do you think the chances of the Dallas Cowboys signing Ray Rice is? I mean, Move. he's, he's oh. out there. He's looking for a job.
1: He had to go and do it.
0: He's He's shown that he can carry the rock. <laughs> You know? Jerry Jones isn't
2: afraid of signing controversial players. You know, he Gregory and, uh, Collins, even though Collins hasn't done anything yet.
0: Yeah, the whole Collins thing is another issue that I'm just disgusted with, cause that poor kid, I, I feel bad yeah. for him. But, uh, yeah, Ray Rice to the Cowboys. Uh, Ron, what do you think? Over, over or under? Uh, actually I won't even do an over or under. What do you think? Do you think that is possible?
1: I think, like, it's it's there's like this slim chance it's it's so slim that it's not even really a chance in my opinion just because there's been so many you know there's no one reaching out to go sign this guy because of the PR nightmare that he will bring on to the the team that he signs with whatever team that may be and i just think there's no interest right now out there in the market not to mention the you know running back market in general is just so you know um degraded i mean no one you know running backs nowadays you know they're not valued as they were, right. you know, five years ago, 10 years ago. So it, it's like a completely different, you know, we're in a passing league. Um, You know, I've heard the theories that, you know, it's going to switch back to a running league, Um, but I'm not really totally buying that just yet. Um uh, So I'm skeptical of that in general. But to answer your question, I just, I, I don't see it happening. I think there's a more probability for the.
0: It's more uh, how- probable than not.
1: No, it's more probable <laughs> they go out there and get AP or sign, um, or, or make a trade to get, you know, a, a bigger name running back than it is that they sign a guy off the street and expect him to come in there. And, you know, let's be honest at 28. What does Ray Rice have left in the tank? I mean, I know you're a, a Ravens fan and we got to look past all this other off the field BS that's happened in the, it's just, in my opinion, you know, it's, it's just Ray Rice is pretty much done in the NFL, and maybe I'm wrong, but, you know, I just don't see any interest from any, any owners anywhere on any teams.
0: Jordan, what do you think? Ray Rice to the, Ray Rice to the Cowboys. What do you think?
1: I
2: don't think Ray Rice to the Cowboys is going to happen. Uh, <laughs> I do think uh, Ray, Ray Rice will get another chance. I just have a feeling that some team will, will sign them, but I, I, I don't think i will have to the, uh, I don't think it'll go to Dallas.
0: Yeah, I mean the reason I brought it up was because obviously running backs, uh, uh, I, I guess a, uh, you know I guess a uh, uh, a need for them, if you will, um, and you know Ray Rice, you know before all this was uh, pretty decently productive. Um, I mean some other, I mean there really isn't much of a running back market out there. Uh, you you look at it, you have Chris Johnson's another guy. We could we could talk about him, uh, Pierre Thomas. Uh, no Sean Moreno. <laughs> I mean it's really scraping kind of the bottom of the barrel. Chris, Actually, I like
1: those two names better though. I like Moreno or Chris Johnson a lot more than I would I mean, I I think those guys still have something left in the tank and I think they, they could definitely catch on with some team somewhere and possibly s- steal a starting role on a team that has has you know doesn't have running back depth like like Dallas, but you know, I think Jerry Jones has already come out and say it, and it said it, and, and it's the fact that he's completely happy with his running back situation in the committee. So I don't know—is it a smoke screen? Is he still working these, you know, pulling the, 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 um, trying to pull all the strings to get AP? I, I don't, I don't see it. But I mean, you, we did hear that, you know, a first round pick was out in, in play, you know, for a running back. So you know, I don't know if there's any truth to that.
0: All right. So just, what do you guys think? Who who gets the first carry of the 2015 Dallas Cowboys season? Ron, go.
1: Oh, I'm going to have to go with uh, Joseph Randall. I, I'm going to have to go with the Randall.
0: All right, we're Joseph Randall. Okay, Jordan, do you think it's McFadden or? Yeah, I'm,
2: I'm going McFadden.
0: I'm going to have to go with McFadden too. I, I'm a believer in McFadden as long as he can stay healthy. Um, I think that's just been the guy's biggest Achilles heel is that the dude cannot stay healthy. Yeah. Um, but overall, I'm I'm actually kind of a believer in him. Um, so I guess another thing we could talk about is uh, you know, we have a we have a redraft guy on here in Jordan, and uh, this also does make sense for dynasty too. Let's just I guess we can go through positions and just who we think is going to be. I guess the that position of the year player. Uh, we'll start at quarterback. You know, Jordan. I know you're a Bucks fan. Is is James Winston going to be the most productive fantasy? Qu- Fan, rookie fantasy quarterback um, in in year one.
2: Uh, well, I mean, it's definitely possible. He's got good weapons and Vincent Jackson and Mike Evans, you know, and Austin awesome Ferry and Jenkins. Hopefully, he can bounce back too at tight end. You know, we have three guys over six foot five throw two, but I mean, you can't rule out Marcus Mariota either. He's got a, you know, Tennessee's given him a, a lot of weapons there in Tennessee. So, I mean, either one of those guys, I mean, those are the only two guys, really.
0: Yeah, those are
2: the only guys, yeah. So, I think I'll be close between those two, actually, for the first year.
0: You got to pick one, Jordan. Don't uh, this PC stuff. We need to pick.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll go with Jameis since he's my boy.
0: Since he's your boy, okay, Ron. Who do you think? It's, it's pretty much Jameis or, or, uh, is it, or and this is
1: we're doing a redraft right now, not dynasty. Well, just, this this is also
0: for redraft too because it's it's for next year. Who is going to have more fantasy points at the end of the year?
1: Oh, I'm all in the Winston train. Sign me up. I'm I've been riding that train for quite some time, and I, I don't even think it's yeah. going to be close. And uh, that's my take on it. I mean, the weapons are all in place. Um I like the coaching staff a lot better. <laughs> Not even a question, actually. I love their coaching staff compared to Tennessee. Um and
0: Yeah, I don't trust and Hunt with anything no. that could produce valuable football, so um, I think he's
1: gonna ruin the kid, you know, and that's you know, I I hate to say it, but I really do. I think he's gonna be a detriment to him and I think he's gonna develop a lot slower than he would on any other staff out there in the NFL. Yeah.
0: Uh, so, Jordan, uh, you know, from a, from a dynasty standpoint, I think right now I have Jameis Winston as my number 12 dynasty quarterback. I know in redraft that may be a, a crazy ranking. Where Where is he kind of falling in the redraft landscape right now?
2: Uh, I mean, I wouldn't take him very high It's because he's a rookie.
0: Right. He's
2: still coming in. You know, I mean, I might take a chance to take a fire on him in the late rounds or, you know, maybe even undrafted, just wait and see what he can do. Right. I don't know if he's not really a priority of mine if I'm looking to draft a quarterback.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, we have seen some rookie quarterbacks in the past be productive. I mean, Cam Newton uh being one of them. Um, RG3. I, I can remember back when Cam Newton, the first week he exploded. There was also another quarterback who exploded that first week, and that was Chad Henney. And who do you think I picked up? Yeah. <laughs> I went with Chad Henney. And, uh yeah, that wasn't good. Wow, wow, was, wow. It was terrible. I think he actually got injured that year too. So, uh, but at wide receiver, I mean, this is kind of headed by Amari Cooper and Kevin White and guys like that. So, so Jordan, who do you think is going to be the most productive wide receiver, most productive rookie wide receiver in year one?
2: Year one, I'm going to go with Amari Cooper. I really like his situation. I like his talent. You know, I think him and Derek Carr can do a lot together in Oakland. Yeah, I mean, he's just he's just such a talented receiver. You know, I, I like Evan White too. I think he's got a good situation in Chicago, but you know, he's playing opposite Alshon Jeffrey. You know, they also have Forte and uh, Martellus Bennett there in Chicago, so there's more weapons to take away. Whereas in Oakland, Cooper's the number one guy. You know, he'll be the focus. I think he'll he'll definitely
0: be successful. Ron, do you kind of do you agree with Amari Cooper?
1: I like Amari Cooper, but I like Kevin White so much more. Um, oh, you
0: Bears homer. <laughs> <Get
1: out here. laughs> Honestly, I mean, no, we've talked about it a lot. I mean, the thing that I – see, I, I kind of have a separate take than Jordan, and, you know, I would totally respect Jordan's views. I mean, he's a scout, so I have to totally – I totally respect him. But, <laughs> no, just saying that, prefacing off what, I, what what you just said, though, there's one guy kind of out there, Michael Crabtree, who still may – may steal a lot of targets from Cooper. So, you know, yes, Cooper has – he's going to be the number one guy. Um, But I think everybody, just like Harmon said last week, I think we are shortchanging Crabtree to a certain extent. And he runs crisp routes. If he can stay healthy, I still like him to have a pretty big role in that offense. As far as the Bears go, the reason why I like White so much is because he has all those other – pieces in place to take the attention off of him so I think he'll have he'll be open a lot more and he won't be um, locked down when they get in the red zone I think they're going to target or they're going to focus more on Jeffrey you know in obviously Forte and the swing passes stuff like that but I think Kevin White is going to have an opportunity he might start off a little slower than Cooper, but I think when it's all said and done, I think his numbers will be right up there, if not better than Cooper's year one. So I, I think even redraft, I would, you know, taking my Chicago bias off the table, I still I like Coop or I like White more than I like Cooper, but it's it's close. I will say that it's close.
0: So what are your Kevin White projections for year one? What do you think? What do you got for a line?
1: Hmm, I'm saying somewhere in the neighborhood of. 60 receptions for
0: yeah that's what about I was
1: 875 thinking. yards and I'm gonna say seven touchdowns because seven's my lucky number.
0: I like that. <laughs> before every, uh, <laughs> I need us. Uh, okay. How about so, Jordan, what, what do you think? What, what do you think Amari does year one? What do you think he does for a line?
2: Uh, probably something similar to what he just said. Uh. You know, around 60 to 70 catches. Uh, he might near 1,000 yards. You know, it's hard for rookie receivers to get that point. But, you know, I think Carr has a big arm. He can, he can get him going deep And uh, about six touchdowns.
0: Okay. And I know, Jordan, that you mostly cover redraft, but who do you like in Dynasty more? Uh,
2: Got to go with my boy Cooper again. All right. It's close. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's, it's definitely close, but I go Cooper.
0: Yeah, I like what you said, Rob, with, with Kevin White. For some reason, 60 catches year one is just where I think he's at. Um, I, I, I'm gonna have to go, I agree with Jordan. I, I'm gonna have to go with Amari Cooper. Cause I just, I'm a, I'm a Derek Carr. Like, I can't even, there's not even a word to describe my love for Derek Carr. I mean, <laughs> he would be, he'd be the godfather to my son if it was possible. Um. <laughs> I think you're a Closet
1: closet Raiders fan. You just don't want to admit to the uh, I have
0: Well, literally, in my closet right here, I have a Derek Carr jersey. So I guess (laughs) in some fashion I am. Uh, But I'd have to go with Cooper. But one guy I'm not sleeping on for year one, statistically, is Jalen Strong. For some reason, this just screams a Keenan Allen-like season to me. Uh, You know, a guy that was drafted – Way past these other good receivers, I think he was the 11th receiver taken, and he's going to be on the Texans, which, you know, the quarterbacks aren't that great, but he's the number two guy, um, and for some reason, I think that he could actually have a really productive rookie year. Um, I would say, off the top of my head, I think he's definitely more productive year one than Doriel Green-Beckham, and Philip Dorsett, and Brashad Perriman. Um, I mean, just a bunch of guys like that. I just think Jalen Strong's definitely going to be top three, top four in terms of rookie wide receiver, uh, projections. And yeah, I go with Cooper. I think that, I think, I think 70 catches for Cooper, probably around a thousand yards and yeah, probably six touchdowns. Um, I just love seeing these rookies come out and, and do work. Um, but let's go to running backs for year one. Uh, Ron, who do you think, who do you think is the most productive rookie running back year one?
1: Well, I said it last week, and I'll say it again this week, only because I think Gurley's, they're going to handle Gurley with with kid gloves, and this is the running back of their future, and, and the future is now. But unfortunately, they're going to make sure that he's 100% ready to go before they put him out there on the field. And even when they put him out on the field, can we guarantee that he's going to get 20 touches a game, you know, the first couple games and he's in there? So based off of that... If I'm talking redraft this year, rookie production, I'm going to have to go with Melvin Gordon because of the situation, because the Chargers, you know, they need a running back to step up. That's why they drafted Gordon early in the first round. And, you know, he's going to be that guy. And the guys that stand in his way are really no threats at all. Um, We've we've talked about that before. It's just, you know, Brandon Oliver, come on, man. And Danny Woodhead's great, but he's – a third down running back um a guy who's going to make those catches for you and get get move the chains on third down um little scat back you know I I do like him but you know <laughs> there's just so much opportunity for Melvin Gordon if he can stay healthy and I was saying it before I think the reason why he's he hasn't ever really put up big numbers in the passing side of it is because he was never asked to really do that much it, it, um, Wisconsin. So I think that in the second half of the season, Wisconsin kind of opened it up a little bit more and they involved him more in the passing game. And he responded by, you know, stepping up and making catches. So I think that he can be that dual purpose running back. I mean, I'm not expecting, you know, 40 catches in his rookie year, but I think a reasonable number could be somewhere in the range of 20 to 30, possibly. Um, so he will help out in PPR leagues, you know, by catching the ball. I love I love Gordon this year.
0: Jordan, do you agree? Melvin Gordon's the most productive rookie back year one.
1: Yeah, I mean Gordon's definitely up there. He's
2: got a beautiful situation in San Diego to be the, the starting running back. But you know you can't rule out T.J. Yeldon in Jacksonville and Devin Coleman in Atlanta. I'm a bit biased on Coleman since I'm an IU grad, but uh, you know I'm, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of Coleman. He's, and he also has a great situation up in Atlanta, but you know they also have uh, Devontae Freeman there, so you know we have to wait and see how the how they shake shirt carries. But you know it's hard to go against Gordon year one with what he's got there. And San Diego's got a great team. You know Gurley, I love his talent, but you know they'll slow him in. You know they also have Trey Mason there, so then there'll be a committee type situation between Gurley and and Mason. So uh, I, I like Gordon best for this
0: year. Yeah, I would agree with Gordon as well. I think I think Gurley, you know, I think as soon as that dude enters the field, he's an RB2, without a doubt, and it only can go up from there. But, yeah, Melvin Gordon uh, steps into a situation, perfect scheme for him. They run a power, power scheme there in San Diego. I'm going to go on the record right now, okay? Melvin Gordon will have 1,200 rushing yards year one, okay? He's going to. I. He wasn't even. He was my. He was my number four running back in, the, in this year's class. But in terms of, in terms of, um, you know, uh, landing spot and where he landed up, twelve hundred yards from Melvin Gordon year one. That's rushing, not total. That's rushing. Wow. Am I am I am I crazy? Am I crazy? <laughs> I was
1: saying no. You you can be crazy from time to time, but in this instance, no, you're not crazy. I was thinking more like twelve hundred all purpose. But I think, I think he's definitely capable of reaching 1200 yards on the ground. You know, in that offense, they can do a lot. And that's the thing, you know, it's, they have, uh, you know, a sergeant under quarterback. I mean, Philip Rivers is so underrated, it's not even funny. And he's a gunslinger and he's always out there, man. And, you know, mad respect for this guy. He's out there playing, hurt every game, you know, strapping it on. And he's just, uh, you know, like I said, this guy is, The real deal so I think in that offense there's so many possibilities and he doesn't have to have that pressure on him and the passing game is going to open up everything else you know like you said with that power scheme smash mouth football and I think um Melvin Gordon will you know that's basically the same thing you know he ran in, in college I mean so I mean it's like a match made in heaven for him to get drafted with the Chargers.
0: So, Jordan, uh, I don't know if you've uh, looked into any ADP for redraft right Where is Gordon? Where do you think he goes in redraft formats?
2: I haven't taken too close of a look at it, but I mean, he has to go fairly high. I mean, if you look at the situation, I mean, he's the best power runner in that on the depth chart. I mean, Brandon Oliver and Woodhead are more of receiving backs, you know, catch out of the backfield type guys. And you know Gordon will be that guy that they lean on to run the football, so he's he's definitely going to be up there. I'd take him in the in the mid rounds for sure, probably three, four, maybe.
0: You think that he's an RB two? Is that is that what kind of where he is?
2: Yeah, I mean I I, he could be RB one, but I wouldn't trust him that as a rookie right away. So right, you know, I think starting off, I'd 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 I'd, uh leave him in as RB two.
0: Well, I think we can all agree with that uh we hope he doesn't have a Ryan Matthews rookie season. That was, <laughs> that, was, that was terrible. No. Uh, so this is going to be, you know, three, four minutes that you guys are never going to get back. The most productive tight end year one uh, is going to be cake. Uh, Ron, is it Max Williams? Uh, I
1: think it's Max Williams by a landslide. Just yeah. based off the situation, again, we keep talking about the situation, but that's what it comes down to and he has he's going to have every opportunity to be the guy um you know the heir to the throne as you would say um at tight end in that offense so you know they definitely lost i mean they lost tory smith um they gained a couple rookies and still have stevie smith so one of the toughest nose players out there um so i mean they, well, these players can learn a lot from him you know how to be mean and aggressive and just want to kill everybody. <laughs> That's
0: what I like. No, I mean because god damn it, Jeff Hume tore his ACL. It was such a threat to to Max Williams year one. Uh Jordan, is it's, it's it's Max Williams year one, right?
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean there's first of all, it's a great situation for him. You know, you got uh, you know, the former Bears, they're trying to name his name, Tressman. Yeah, Tressman. As coordinator there, you know you see what you did with Martellus Bennett in Chicago. You know it's just a great situation, and there's not a lot of competition at rookie tight end to go against him.
0: Yeah, and I and I will say rookie tight ends are are very seldom productive year one. Uh, I mean, you look at Eric Ebron last year. Everybody was basically going to give this guy the keys to the city, which how valuable are the keys to the city of Detroit? I don't know. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, they were going to give him the keys to the city and he was just yeah, completely flat. Um, but, so Jordan, uh, I, I'm assuming Ron plays in some redraft. I play in some redraft. Who are some sleepers for us to look out for this year? Some guys that we need to have on our teams to, to win the ship. Well,
2: I don't know if he's much of a sleeper anymore, but, you know, you had Josh Shield in New Orleans, tied in there with Jimmy Graham out of the way, you know, I think he'll definitely step up.
1: I like uh, that pick. I like that pick a lot, Jordan.
0: Yeah. Uh,
2: can't put me on the spot here. I'm trying to think of some other guys. That's all,
0: that's, that's what I'm good at. <laughs>
1: yeah. Say that again.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, some ones that kind of stand out to me, well, obviously I think he's not really much a sleeper with Joseph Randall. Um, yeah. Depending on the size of your league, a guy that I like a lot, uh, is a PPR option anyway, is Albert Wilson in Kansas City. He's probably for deeper leagues. Um but Alex Smith just needs to be able to throw over thirty yards. It's the only thing we need to figure out with. And throw a touchdown to his receivers. And a touchdown to his receivers, yeah. <laughs> that always helps. Because I don't think Chris Conley's much of a threat at all. I mean that guy, like I said on uh I think I said it on, uh, Marcus Katkin's, um, podcast, which you guys can check him out over at blindsidefootball.com. I said that he, Chris Conley was the, 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 the to the, to, Well, oh, I just got tongue tied there. There. <laughs> Let me start over. He will go down in NFL history as the highest drafted player because of a combine result. That's Chris Conley. Um, freak. He, he's a freak athlete, but, I mean, some other guys I kind of like, this is a little bit of a bias one here, uh, in Baltimore. Again, depending on the size of your league. Buck Allen, I think that him with Tressman uh, could, probably not necessarily for this next year. Like I said, it's a sleeper, but overall with Tressman, um, I mean, he did give Forte a hundred plus catches and Buck Allen is known to catch the ball. He's another guy that I'm kind of thinking of. Um, yeah, there's, yeah, there's really, uh, I think Crabtree's kind of underrated. I think that you can probably get him later in redraft drafts. Um so while I was rambling, Jordan, did you think of any? <laughs> I was
1: actually gonna say Crabtree too, by the way, but you stole my thunder. I was thinking that one too. There oh. you go.
0: You guys are higher on Crabtree than I am. I mean I just I mean, based on where you can get him in a draft, I mean I I mean I know he hasn't really been productive since two thousand twelve, but I mean, if, if he's your, if it, like, it all depends on your size of your league. I mean, usually for redraft, I play in fourteen-team leagues, so you kind of towards the end of the draft scrape from the bottom of the barrel at that point. Exactly. Uh, um. So, would I rather have him over somebody like, I don't know, uh Justin Hunter? Yeah, I would. I'd rather have. Hell Michael yeah! Car- <laughs> I'd rather have Michael Crabtree over Justin Hunter. Um. So yeah, Jordan, did you think of any other sleepers, or are you going to keep sleeping on us? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, he's sort of a known name, but you know Marcus Wheaton, I think he'll step up this year in Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, he only had you know he didn't have a great year last year, but you know, I think another year of development, you know, another year of experience, I think he'll he'll put up bigger
0: numbers in Pittsburgh. You don't think Sammy Coates steal his, steals his thunder at all Nah, no, i don't I don't see it happening. I'm not big on Sammy Coates anyway. I think that he, that dude cannot track a football that's thrown in the air. Just can't do it. Um, all right. So, I mean, I guess that, I guess that does it for us, guys. Uh, again, follow Jordan. Uh, actually, Jordan, I'll give you the floor here for a second. Uh, tell us where we can find you. All right. You can find me on Twitter at Jordan Heck FF. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Okay. And he has a blue check mark next to his name. So look for that. And that's where Sweet. you'll find him. Um, <laughs> so, so, are you, so you're still writing over at, uh, at four football though, right? Yeah. I'll be writing there. Do, uh, I do a
2: preseason recaps for, uh, five teams, the Bucks, Colts, Bears, Dolphins, and Vikings. We do preseason, uh, write ups for them, you know, sort of projecting what they'll do for the season. And then we can do weekly updates on how they'll do for that given week.
0: All right, sounds good. And again, you can you can follow me on Twitter at Richard Janvrin. Last name spelled J A N V R I N. Tread with caution, but you can follow Ron on Twitter at Mad Dog <laughs> <laughs> if, if you dare, if you dare. <laughs> um, and you can also follow the podcast on Twitter at FP underscore Dynasty Pod. We don't have that many followers, so God damn it, just go follow us so I can shut up about it. Uh, and also follow the website that makes us all possible, Fake Pigskin at FakePigSkin. For Ron and I, and I hope we have Jordan on again sometime. See you guys later.